Hey there, localists. This is Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire. Welcome you to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. Today's podcast is jam-packed with tips, strategies, and the motivation you need to take your business to the next level. I'm excited about what you'll learn from today's interview. And don't forget that choosing local when you have the opportunity is vital to your community. So now, let me introduce your host, Christy Hostler, with today's interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host today, and I'm very excited to have a guest on today. Now, this guest wears many, many hats, and Jen Eads left the corporate life behind whenever she wanted to strike out on her own. And as a musician, she had a natural entry into the world of audio production, and so she started her own audio production company called 317 Sound Designs. She did voiceover work, did jingles and a lot of corporate type things on hold music and messaging services. And so there was a lot that she wrapped into that sound production company. But her business has grown and changed a little bit since then. And so we're excited to have Jen here today to tell us kind of how her business has evolved and what her journey to her business today has been. So Jen, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks, Christy. I'm thrilled to be here today. Excellent. Well, now I gave a, you know, just a little, you know, caption of what your life has been so far. But I know there's a lot more to it than I could even dig up. <laughs> I know there's more dirt somewhere. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to start by you just kind of telling us the story of you, because I find that so many times that is the most integral part of understanding your story to where you are now. So tell us a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, and anything you think would be helpful for us to know. Uh, the story begins really, I guess, at the age of five or six when um, I started piano lessons. Mm. I did not practice. <laughs> there were much more important things to do, like playing outside and, you know, sure. <laughs> shooting free throws and riding bikes and, and all right. that fun stuff that you do as a kid. Uh, but I did eventually convince my mom and dad to let me take guitar lessons. And that uh -huh. took some work. They're like, uh, we've done this before. We saw how the piano thing went. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, no, no, I'm really going to do it. So that, I guess, kind of began my sales career, uh, uh, convincing yeah. them to <laughs> let me take guitar lessons because my mom played. So she would play for mm. us and, and, you know, sing around the house. And um, once I started the guitar lessons, I never put it down. Like it just uh -huh. started this lifelong we could call it an obsession probably, okay. and, and that well, wouldn't be too good. far of a stretch. <laughs> and then I eventually ended up studying music and business in college. And then upon my graduation, got a responsible job mm, in the corporate yeah. world because that's... We've all done our duties. That's right? what you do, you know. Exactly. So, you know, I did inside sales. I managed the food and beverage operation at an outdoor amphitheater and did outside sales and just really did a lot of things until finally one day in my cube, um, I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. There was no drama. There was no fight. There was no, I got really mad like at my boss or one of my coworkers. There was none of that. There was just that finally giving into, I can't do this. I can't function and live this life not doing what I was put on this earth to do. Wow. 
that was it kind of like the uh the realization that your heart just wasn't in that yeah and it was really a huge relief I found myself yes (laughs) yes I was um fortunate enough at the time I was uh playing in a band local band here in town doing some original music and we were getting these great opportunities to open up for you know well-known country acts that would come into Mm -hmm. town so I was leading this kind of double Hannah Montana life where, oh, I gotcha. you know, I'm in the <laughs> corporate by day. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually had a client that was here in Indianapolis and he said, are you the same Jen Eads that I saw open for, you know, so-and-so this past weekend? Oh, like, my God. Yeah. That's I'm that same Jen Eads. <laughs> <laughs> Just all polished up now. Here I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the the music stuff was starting to be more exciting and, you know, really great opportunities were coming out of that. And I just got to the point where I kind of really had to figure out how to do that and what I loved and, and how I could use that to be of service to other people and help them reach their goals. Wow. You know, it's funny you talk about, I think we've all been through the piano lessons and, <laughs> and my sister and I did that same thing. And, you know, we would get, we sometimes our punishment, this is probably a terrible thing, our punishment would be, okay, it's time for you to go practice your piano. Yeah. And it's like, well, no wonder. But then we did the same thing. We talked our parents into like, we want guitar lessons. <laughs> and they're like, fine, well, we'll get one guitar. Well, here's the thing. I'm left-handed. <gasps> my sister's right-handed. So what kind of guitar do you think we yeah. got? Of course, right-handed, because that's what all the stores have. So, yeah. so you know how that went down. So I had to pick it up later on my own and, and you know, pay twice the price for the lefty stuff. But it's it's funny that we, we do the sales job and, you know, this is going to be different. I won't make you move a big piano again, I promise. The guitar is more portable. Exactly. Ukulele's even better. Yeah, you know, completely. So, but that's hilarious. So tell me about a little bit of background on how you started 317 Sound Designs and then kind of give us the story of like how it's grown and evolved a little bit. It actually started um, with the company where I was working at the time when I had my little epiphany that I needed to get out of the queue. <laughs> um, but one of my coworkers was like, our on hold is awful. And I know that you can write the music and do all the stuff and record it. So I'm going to go talk to the president and see if we can get you on, on hold. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. So that kind of started the ball rolling. And I'm so excited to say that they are still a client. They were my first client. Oh, They're good. still a client. When I left, you know, because I left on good terms, yeah. uh, the president was like, uh, you're still going to do the on hold stuff for us, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, I need this more now than ever before. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I will be doing that. But, on you hold. know, that that is I mean, that is such a I mean, is that not something that's like quintessential? What everyone complains about when you call and you get stuck on hold is the terrible, terrible music. I mean, it's a problem everyone has between that and the music and the stores you know, yeah. that you have to go through in the mall. I mean, those are two things that everyone completely complains about, but it's, it's, people don't see the return on investment by making, you know, making great hold music right. or anything for the company. So well, and it's, it is kind of funny. It's funny because it's such a reflection. It's such a, really mm-hmm. a critical part of that overall customer experience. Yeah, the perce- and the perception and the yeah. attention to detail that you give to that. So, oh, that's funny. Exactly. I know we used to have the big big to do every once a year. Okay, it's time to change our hold music. Here's here's three or four things. Listen to it. We're tired of Funky Mama playing, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, over and over again. Right, so exactly. It's definitely a dilemma. So you started doing hold music, left your company, went to doing your own thing, and what else evolved besides hold music? Um, 
I was getting, I started getting questions. I, I had some clients, um, and this is, this is great and was so completely unexpected. I got hooked up with a couple of nuns in Toledo that were doing a podcast, and someone wanted to gift them theme music. Like, well, that's super uh-huh. cool. I didn't know there was <laughs> such a thing out there as nuns doing a podcast. Nuns in a podcast. It, it, that is that's hilarious. It's phenomenal. <laughs> like, it is the most... I just you don't think of nuns being that cutting edge. No, really. I mean seriously, you expect them to be like on the soup, the cans on the soup commercials, yeah. you know, on the telephone, not a podcast. Yeah, so. and these gals <laughs> are just—they're all over it. Uh, they oh have this gosh. great platform and a really engaged following, and um, I feel so lucky that I got connected with them. Number one, because just as I go through and listen to the podcast while I'm editing them, I'm like. Uh-huh. This is fascinating. Like, I had no idea that all of this uh-huh. stuff went into being a nun and all of these really cool yeah. things that they're doing all over the world. So that kind of started me into the the podcasting thing because they said, you know, Jen, we like doing this podcasting, but it's it's a time suck, basically, yes. to do all of the editing and still, you know – we want it to sound really good, but that's just not where we want to spend our time. Would you be interested in editing that for us? I was like, if that's going to keep me from having to write a blog post or something, absolutely. Yeah, I'll give yeah. this a shot. And the more sure. I did it, it was like, well, this is this is kind of fun. And, you know, as, as podcasting was getting more popular within, you know, really just it's always been there. But I think really mm-hmm. within the last year, especially with Serial now getting so much. Sure. Price, um, yeah. It's just really going to take off. And I saw an opportunity like I bet they're not the only ones that don't enjoy editing their podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or any yeah, kind of or don't even do, don't even do it well. You know, it's like ugh. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of poor audio out there. So I'm on a mission basically to just make the world sound better. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you do, and that's the thing. Sometimes you don't realize that. Um, you don't even realize that you have an ear for good sounding or bad sounding audio quality until you hear the bad sometimes. Right. And you're like, oh, you know, I, I hear some podcasts and it, it starts with the telephone ringing of the person calling whoever they're going to be interviewing. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, so it's a time for us to do this thing. And you're like, really? You couldn't have edited that yeah. out? You know, I mean, <laughs> just it's crazy. But people don't think like that. You know, I don't I don't know what it is, but it definitely is a need. And I think, no, you know, as podcasting's become more mainstream, you know, it's it feeds into so many different media channels Absolutely. You know, for, for the content and that sort of thing. So it's all the more important than it be good quality. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, if you're coming to someone in there, basically, right, you're right in their ear. You're in their head. Yeah. And yes, if you don't sound headspace. good or you do something that is not pleasing or, you know, it sounds really high and screechy or it's, you know, got clipping or, or whatever, um, that's their impression of you. And that's basically their only impression of yeah. you. Yeah, that's true. I always laugh because, you know, I was telling you earlier before we started that I have my um, my studio is um, out here on the open air porch on my at my house in Key West overlooking the canal. And I, I always say, you know, anybody can sit in a studio and have perfectly good audio quality, but it takes a special person to be able to have a boat go through the background yes. of their of their podcast. So sometimes it gets in there and I just I can't help it. I have to leave it in for whatever reason. But I'm like, you know what it does? It definitely lets people know where 
here I am, and they get the they get the whole sunshine feel, and somebody's on a boat somewhere, and here I am working out to this podcast in the snow. So it just uh, changes your where where you are a little bit in your head. So. Yeah, and that's actually I would see that as an enhancement. You know, that's yeah, just giving yeah, the environment. <laughs> exactly. Makes you feel like you need to live the dream, too. Yeah, I've so. got to go get a margarita. The, the only problem is I'm not on the boat. That's the only problem. <laughs> exactly. I'm still sitting here working. So <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it all out how to do it one day on a boat. That would be that would be really awesome. So. Yeah. Um, so now at this point in your life, as you look back on when you started your business, and the thing is, you know, so many people that listen to my podcast are – the people that want to start a business, they might even be struggling local business owners that, you know, don't have a lot of money to invest in resources to help them. And so they're trying to, as most people do, do it all themselves. Mm -hmm. And when you were getting your business off the ground, were there any community and or other resources that really gave you a leg up or anything like that when you got started? Um, Actually, now, and I've found this out more recently, um, and I wish I would have known about this when I did start. So I, I, mean, I don't know how I missed this, but uh, through the local chamber of commerce, uh-huh. there's tons of resources there, at least here in the Indianapolis area, sure. which is great. And then also through, uh, we've also got a great small business development commission as well. Nice. So. Nice. I would encourage anyone, check and see what those resources are for coaching or for helping get your business plan together because that's a really, it's a great, easy place to start. Well, and most of the time, are those resources kind of free or, you know, at least some of it doesn't cost a lot of money? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, some of the resources are free or they offer, I think, certain classes with a nominal fee to attend, but it's so worth it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the thing is, making those connections at the chamber or the small business development area, uh, part of your community, um, the connections are going to be vital to what your next steps are anyway. So that's, I mean, besides just the content and the coaching and the information you can get, those relationships are absolutely critical too. Now, Jen, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, and and that sort of thing in the course of doing this podcast. And I know that most of us have had a similar situation where we did what we thought our parents had told us to do, go to college and get a good job. And then we we quickly realized that we have doomed ourselves to a life of misery. And it's no wonder that Dilbert and other comics, you know, do really well because people can all relate to the pain and agony of, of working those kind of, you know, working for the man kind of job and um we all have fears and some fears are you know completely all in our heads and some are very real but when you make that jump from getting a regular paycheck and knowing that you just did something that suddenly stops that flow of regular paychecks and now you are completely on your own to recreate that and replace all of that income what was your biggest fear whenever you did that? Failure. Which truly yeah. was <laughs> failure in all areas, right? Yeah. Financially, business wise, everything. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of just that all encompassing, like, oh wow, I've really got to make a go of this now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to let your family down, you don't want your friends to think you're a big loser. Right. You know, you want to get your mortgage paid and your car payment right. and all of that stuff. 
Well, and you don't want to come crawling back to your previous employer saying, yeah, that, that didn't work out so good. Yeah. You know, I had my job back. Exactly. You know? I mean, that that's like major crow eating right there, Completely. you know, and it just nobody wants to do that. So, so whenever you had the fear of failure, like what did you, I mean, what did you do? Did, did Sometimes that paralyzes people. It keeps them from ever taking the leap. And then other people can work through it and figure it out. Um, and have you have you ever gotten over your fear of failure? No. And I think I, that will always be – it's present, but it's manageable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think even as a musician, I think it's been really helpful because anytime you go up and you stand in front of people and you are playing something yeah. that you've written or something yeah. that someone else has written and you want to make sure that you present it in the best, most – gorgeous way possible that people are going to feel something you always worry about oh are people going to hate my song are people going to think i'm not a good guitar player you know are they not going to have fun at the show so i think fear of failure to an extent can be a really good motivator Hmm. yeah i know i can see that because you know that's kind of the ultimate vulnerability is being on stage and having the ability to be rejected by people. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and not, you know, it's one thing for people to reject you behind your back and just not buy something from you. It's another thing for them to walk out of a concert or boo you or throw something or, you know, whatever the the venue is. Um, But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. I I wish I could get to a point where the fear of failure goes away, but you, it's kind of always lurks there. And you just think, even though, Oh, it's good right now. Wonder when that's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do when that happens? You know, exactly. so I, I definitely, and I know that, you know, that whole thing. The thing is, and I don't think people realize it, and I don't think it's highlighted enough whenever we talk to other business people, is that you have to get through. Nothing you do is going to be absolutely perfect in its maiden form. You know what I mean? In the the original way you intended it and designed whatever your business is, it's not going to be that way in the end. Right. And so you you have to kind of get a little bit of pushback to to see where you need to change. And so you've got to go out and get those failures in order to know how to adjust and how to tweak things and how to, you know, evolve. And people just think that if you go out and you have a great business plan and you have a good product or whatever, that's automatic success. And it doesn't happen that way. You got to get to those nine or ten failures before you finally hit hit your stride, so to speak. Oh yeah. So yeah, and I I just don't think people realize that you know failure doesn't mean your business closed and you file for bankruptcy. Failure can mean you put out a new product and invested in a lot of inventory, or you wrote a song, or you recorded a song, yeah. or you put all this money into this and nobody bought it. Yeah. You know that's failure, and it's going to happen. So we've kind of got to get more comfortable with that as it goes along. So now as you made the transition from corporate to business world on your own, small business owner, did you have any sort of coaches or mentors that kind of helped shape you a little bit as a business owner? Not so much as a business owner, but I was really fortunate when I graduated from college and started my first job. I had a manager that I don't know what she saw in me, but she saw something, some kind of potential and she was just phenomenal in coaching and encouraging me and giving me additional responsibilities. And, you know, that's where I learned. I learned about the numbers. I learned how yeah. to control product cost and labor and all of that stuff that yeah. goes into running a business. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because I was working on um, kind of some budgeting stuff for the upcoming year for 2015, which I guess we're, th- we're there. 
It's Hello. There. Hello. <laughs> but I emailed her when I was working on the spreadsheet. I was like, oh, my gosh, I just had total flashback nightmares to going through, you know, a spreadsheet mm-hmm. for a multimillion dollar budget that I was yeah. now in charge of and learning, you know, plugging in the numbers, figuring out mm-hmm. how to do the projections and all that stuff. So I'm really fortunate that I had someone that believed in me and was encouraging and, and showed me how to do all of those things. Wow. And, you know, you don't realize sometimes, you know, that corporate and or working for someone else experience teaches you so many things that you're going to need later on when you're out there on your own. You know, oh, yeah. and, and you have to be thankful for that, even though you had to go through, you know, whatever you had to go through to get there and get that experience and knowledge that so many times is foundational to your success and your knowledge just as a business person. So, yeah, I completely understand that. So we talked a little bit about our fears of failure and we all have them and we just happen to have you talking about yours today but have you had like one failure or really negative thing that happened when you were owning your business that you really had to learn a lesson from I think the biggest thing is not being as far along or generating as much income as I'd hoped to after that first and second year Mm-hmm. And I determined that a lot of that was based on I hadn't gone out and really done a lot of networking. Yeah. And I found that that has been huge in starting to get everything turned around and making connections and saying, hey, I'm here. This is how I can help you with whatever mm-hmm. pain you're having and really just getting out and and finding out more about what pains people were having and where I could ease that with whatever my you know special skills are as far as audio goes. And did that change a little bit of how you were servicing your customers or the services you were providing or even how you, I don't want to say pitched them, but how you, how you acquired customers? Did it change it once you started talking to the people you were networking with? Absolutely. Um, because I found out that a lot, I mean, a lot of times people look at, at music as a commodity. You mm-hmm. know, we can go get stuff for 99 cents. Sure. iTunes. Or we'll just get it for free. Right. Um, right. Royalty free. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So that that's so available and easily available. that And not everyone is that aware or that are thinking about other ways to brand themselves. So the mm-hmm. audio branding, you know, like the NBC logo chimes, Yeah, you know, yes, something exactly. like that. So that's not really at the forefront of what everybody's thinking about, but they've already got either video that maybe they had some trouble, you know, the audio didn't come out so good on that, but they still want to salvage it. They still want to use that video. So how uh. can I, how can I help them fix that and just go back rather than creating new Let's just go Mm -hmm. back and fix what you've got and make it sound better and polish it up and make it more representative of your brand and your customer experience. Yeah, and, you know, that's whenever – it's interesting, though. I think so many times we as business owners have assumptions about our customers, Mm -hmm. and we we think that they're going to love this or they're going to hate this or they need this or they need that. And it's really not until we get out and start talking to people – and finding out what they really need that sometimes you just think, my gosh, how could I have missed the mark so much? I mean, how right. could I have missed that? But nobody thinks of doing this huge business plan and this really cool business about, hey, pull out all your old crap 
that you can't use. Yeah. <laughs> let's fix it, you know, yeah. and get your brand going out there. Everybody's like, let's reinvent. Let's, you know, break it down and take it down to ground level and rebuild it when in actuality people had already made an investment that they just wanted something back on. Exactly. You know, so that's, a, that's a very good lesson. And I had another client that asked, hey, can you come to our office and record the voiceover that we need to do for mm-hmm. another client of ours? I thought, oh, I never thought about that. But, yeah, sure. absolutely. Huh. I can pack up a laptop and a couple of microphones yes. and, yeah. Absolutely. But had I not done the networking and made that connection, that mm-hmm. question never would have been raised. Sure. Yeah, and they, you know what? Probably in all likelihood, whenever things like that happen uh, in the life of a business, then they, they have this small need that's a really a small thing in the overall course of their big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they it gets put on the back burner and they don't even reach out to anybody because they're like, okay, something that I thought I was going to pay 500 bucks for is now turned into a $10,000 project right. and, and we're now filming videos <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is. And it just always seems like it's never going to be as small as they think it is. And it really should be in some ways an easy fix sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know so much of your stuff now, you know, you go digital and you don't even have to show up somewhere in order to do certain things. And that, you know, that frees up so much of your time and and effort as well for that. So those are good, definitely good lessons that we can all learn is that networking can kind of crack open a little bit of the, the barriers or walls that you might have in front of you. So I think we all, need to do do well at that. Let me ask you this. Do you think, and this is just completely aside, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Definitely an introvert. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I see that. I do this, you know, I, I'm the same way. I'm a complete introvert. Now I can get up on, you know, I can get up at our church and I can lead music. I can play, you know, do whatever in front of people. I can talk, I can speak, but uh, you know, when it comes right down to it, that one-on-one networking thing is a real, it, it is a real flaw of mine. And I, I feel like that's an area I continue to have to push myself out of that comfort zone. But the more people I talk to, I'm finding more and more business owners that seem to be, I mean, you seem very gregarious and just like a great loads of fun kind of person, but you're actually, at the heart of it, you're an introvert, you know, left by yourself. You might just sit at home by the fire and, you know, have a glass of wine and read a book or something. Yeah, and be perfectly entertained. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you could do that for days and no one would even yeah. care where you are and you'd be like, yes, this is the best time ever. Right. But but that's funny, though, because it's it's like, why are so many business owners that are entrepreneurs, introverts, and at the same time, we then we all have that same barrier to overcome as the networking and getting out there. I mean, I guess the other the other side of that is the schmaltzy, you know, used car salesman kind of person, not to stereotype, but that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I've got everything. You want to buy something from me? Yeah. Let me give you my card. Call me. Let me get you in touch with my people. And no one wants to be that either. And especially us introverts don't want right. to be that. We want to be the genuine person that's like, hey, I'm here and I'm real and I'm not trying to rip you off and I'm not trying to take advantage of you, but I think I have some things that I can provide a really good service for you. And it's just, it's hard. And so it's it's funny that I, I, I need to start asking all of my interviews that and come up with my own data to support whatever you know assumptions I want to make about introverts or extroverts but I think that's interesting well and I feel like as a musician that's the one thing that has maybe saved me I remember when I first started going out and gigging around Indianapolis um, I was playing in an acoustic duo that I'm still involved with 
and this our singer is just dynamic and engaging and all mm-hmm. I had to do is sit there and play guitar and I would wrap my leg around the bar stool to stop it from shaking because I was so <laughs> nervous and afraid that I was going to screw up the song well oh my god I'm not looking at music. I'm playing everything from memory. Yeah. It's going to happen. I'm going to screw something up at sure. some point. Yes. And I would almost feel that huge relief when that happened because I'm like, okay, well, that was the first mistake and nobody yeah. caught it because nobody I just kept going. And it was this huge relief. And I've almost had to go into that like a performance persona mm-hmm. and a mindset and I've started to reframe the whole networking thing, too, where it's not, I want to go meet all these people and get all these business cards because I hate yeah. that. That's the part that Everybody's feels slimy. Like, ah, that is. It feels dirty. It just really does. But yeah. if I can have good conversations with a couple of people and really get to know what they do and then turn around and connect them with somebody else that – you know, they might be able to help out with their business or, you know, you know, anytime you can make that connection where it's going to be a good fit for people. That's sure. what I try to go in and think about now as I'm going to these networking events. Yeah. And I think it helps to think about being more of a connector mm-hmm. than even even a networker, yeah. so to speak, because I, I still I mean, I don't know why we have such a negative connotation about networking events and networking. And really, it should just be about connecting, you know, you connecting with people and then connecting those people with other people that you also know and have in common. And I think I don't know, even as women, too, I think that's more of our comfort zone. Oh, completely. You know, we're, we're not in the, you know, let me uh, go out and give a huge you know let me talk faster than you can listen kind of sales pitch right. it doesn't we don't we're, that's just not our nature most of the time right. so definitely good stuff now let me ask you this at this point in your life what do you consider your biggest business accomplishment i would have to say the first time that i heard my music used on the radio um on, uh, a, on a radio uh, spot and a tv spot i was like i made that you know wow that, that came from me and that was really exciting I think anytime as a musician or an artist you know you see or you hear your work being used by somebody that's a pretty mm-hmm. cool you're like yeah I must yeah. I must be doing something right here yeah and it's you know it validates and you know kind of affirms the the quality of what you're doing you know it's good enough yes. that somebody would put it on a broadcast for whatever it is that they're doing and so you know that that is kind of the ultimate validation i mean it's it i could see how that would be like you know it's it's one of those moments where you 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 hear it and you stop and you always remember where you were when you heard that the first yeah. time yeah yeah, you know, because it just—it's like I guess it's the same thing. If you get—I don't know—if I was a model and I had my first print magazine pick right. me up or whatever, you'd be like, "Oh my gosh, look at this!" You know, yeah. but it just—it's just a different, different venue for the for the media. So I, um, I definitely don't know that everyone—you know—every business owner is not going to have that type mm-hmm. of an account. You know, I mean, they're not going to have yeah. that type of a validation. But just the fact—I mean, even the fact that you're still here year after year after year and you have customers and you have loyal fans you know that that is validation in and of itself that what you're doing is worthwhile you know and just have to keep doing more of it so yeah I think anytime uh, you get a return customer yeah that's that's fantastic validation absolutely absolutely and it might be that those you know those are trickling in in the beginning but they will will get more if you keep doing keep showing up and keep doing what you do best exactly 
Now, tell us what kind of, over the course of your business, what kind of marketing strategies have you used? Because just like networking, I feel like, um, and, I, and this is again an assumption, I don't have the data behind this, but I feel like marketing is something that is so difficult for a lot of small business owners, even um, you know, it might be that, well, I know I need to get on Facebook or I know I need to buy some uh, radio ads or I know I need to do this, that or the other. But even just having a very clear and consistent message and, and a consistent branding and, you know, even, gosh, even getting all your information where it needs to be. I mean, I can't tell you how many small business owners websites I've been on and I'm like, where's the phone number? I wanted to call them, but where I, I don't even, I can't even find the phone number yeah. or you, the contact page is just submit a form. And you're like, I just wanted to shoot them an email, you know? And yeah. of course me, I'm the one contact trying to contact everyone for, <laughs> for interviews. Right. right. So they're trying to hide from me. But I think, you know, how, how are their customers supposed to find them? You know, if they, and, and it's just one of those things where nobody really thought through it all. They're just thought, Oh, well, you got on my website. Here we are. Or even, even then you get, you know, me as someone who's not in the local area, I get on the website and the website only says the last seven digits of the phone number. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't include the area code. And I think, well, now what area code? Now, if it was you, I would now know 317, right? right? But, 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 I mean, it's just one of those things where you don't realize what your marketing information puts out. And I see that all the time. And even in Key West, you know, we have tons of visitors. Uh, tourism is our you know, main industry sure. here. And I have so there's so many billboards and even, you know, above people's, uh, you know, the paddling, you know, kayak tours, paddling uh-huh. or whatever, dial two, four, five, six, two, four, one or whatever it is. And you think, no, these people are from out of town. They don't know what our area code is. Right. You know, and it's just nobody thinks of these things. So what are you, what have you found? Uh, as far as marketing strategies that you actually feel like are working for your business right now? For me, mostly it's, it's really been the networking because Mm -hmm. I, because I'm a service-based industry basically. Um, Uh And you have to get out there and really make that connection with people and have those conversations and find out what, find out where their pains are and how you can help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can put stuff on my website and it always needs improved and updated yes, and all that yeah. stuff. And it's one of those <laughs> right. things when it's a work in progress. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you are the basically the single business owner and you are the business, mm-hmm. I know that that sometimes gets overlooked. I'm a little guilty of that, but mm-hmm. I get so much more value of actually going out and just having conversations. Okay. So for me, it's really been the networking and saying, hey, this is, I'm here. This is what I do. This mm-hmm. is how I can help you if you need it. And they, they may not need anything, but they may say, oh, I need to connect you with somebody. Right. I know somebody that does. So would you say that most of your business comes from like word of mouth referrals? Yes, most definitely. Okay. That that is par for the course for most local businesses, and and the thing is that is so critical, and I think sometimes business owners miss that is that that word of mouth referral that you can get you can't pay enough money for it yeah. in, in marketing in marketing dollars you can't, mm-hmm. but at the same time they miss it whenever they're interacting with that initial customer that this customer has the ability to go out and, and keep feeding me mm-hmm. by giving me those referrals or they have the ability to go on social media and blast me, you right. know, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But they miss that. 
And at the same time, they don't understand why their business might not be growing and that sort of thing. But across the board, every local business that I have ever interviewed has said word of mouth. And, you know, people like sharing good experiences and they like connecting you with, oh, I know somebody that does this. Well, if you know somebody that does this and you know me, too, I'm probably going to get a lot better treatment than somebody who I just call out of the phone book. Right. Who even who even uses the phone book anymore? But I look up online, you know, I mean, it's just it's so so integral but we're not going after that and we're not we're not making a big enough effort to really capitalize on that because that's the holy grail for marketing right there well and i've also found that i started a podcast because Mm -hmm. i wanted to understand what that entire process was like ah gotcha yeah for your clients right you're doing the back-end production work okay and i also I have such a curiosity about, you know, the music and the business mm-hmm. and technology and where that all kind of comes together and how are these other women out there being successful in their own businesses or, or getting to the top of the music industry on the business side of things in a predominantly male environment. Sure. And mm-hmm. so I had all these questions. I'm like, well, you know, this podcast is going to be a really great way to get that information Plus, I can help people that listen to it that have probably those same questions that I have, and I can Mm -hmm. better understand the entire process from getting the, I mean, everything, the intro, what music am I going to use, what's the voiceover, Mm -hmm. what's, you know, the sponsorship, the Mm -hmm. every bit of work that goes into that, not just the editing piece. Right. You know, I wanted to understand how all of that came together so that I really did fully understand my client's experience. And so it's been a great tool to also say, hey, I started this podcast and with no email list, with no social media presence for that. I just created it out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And this is the potential that it has. And this is where it's grown. And this is how I've grown it. So it's really been a great tool. Well, and I think you bring up a great point in that as women business owners, it it really doesn't matter what industry you're in. We're a little bit behind the curve Mm -hmm. from the guys. And so to really leverage that and, you know, I think women and even in the Keys, we have this uh, local networking group called Girls Night Out and it's a monthly group. And, you know, their goal is just women helping other women business owners, helping other women business owners, Mm -hmm. because if we come together and support each other, we can be a powerful force. And, you know, the good old boys club didn't get invented. You know, it's not, it's out there. It's real. And that the reason it exists is because guys naturally do that with each other. You know, a guy had go, you know, starts a business and what's the first thing he wants to do. He wants his four best friends, you know, right there with him, you know, and women are like, no, I wouldn't have her do it because she's petty or she's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just a whole different mentality. But we have got so much work to do. And in the podcasting world and any world of business, we have got a lot of work to do as women to pull together and, and support each other and help get the word out about women that are doing great things. Because there are some great business minds um, that have been put in the heads of women Absolutely. and they have a lot to share. And so I love that. I love that this is a platform for you to do that. And it's also a platform for me to do it. I'm not you know, gender specific with my mm-hmm. 
podcast, but I love it. I mean, I do generally interview more biz, male business owners than I do female ones, and so I don't know why that is. I think some people get intimidated by the microphone. Some people go, I don't like the way my voice sounds, and I'm like, I'm not asking you to do video. Right, you know yeah, I mean? exactly. <laughs> it's like, come on, it could be a lot worse. It really could be. Truly. So, um, But it's it's interesting. So tell us right now, what do you what is the next step for your business? To really continue on with that networking and find out even more places that I can be of service that haven't even crossed my mind yet. Um, okay. And I've really also, with doing the budgeting for this year, kind of figured out what's, what's my end goal, where do I want to be, how can I break that down so it's just it's simple bites. It doesn't feel like this huge insurmountable income goal or sales goal. And really just kind of working every day on working my plan. Yeah. And and showing up every day and, mm-hmm. and making that happen and continuing to make more connections and and really trying to be out in the community to help bring other people together. Now let me ask you this and again this is just completely aside. I just I just happened to think about it. I heard somebody the other day talking, it was a, a woman, and if I said her name, you would know who she was. But she mentioned in the course of the the uh, thing I was listening to, she said that even though she's incredibly productive and does a ton of stuff and has a business partner that you know you would think the two of them would light the world up together, mm-hmm. she said I have an accountability partner that I Skype with every single morning. Mm-hmm. And that person keeps me on track. And, they, and she said, you know, there are times when I've stayed up an extra hour or two beyond what I normally would because I didn't get done everything during the day that I needed to get done. And I knew I was going to be asked about it the next morning, and I didn't want to have to say, no, I didn't get to it. Mm-hmm. So do you have any sort of accountability like that built into what your routines and that sort of thing? Absolutely. I've actually got <laughs> two. I've got okay. one for the podcast. Okay. And then I have another where we kind of talk about the podcast stuff as well, but more focused on the business and, and how I can grow that. Mm-hmm. And it's it makes a difference. I mean, you don't want to show up or have that Skype conversation and be like, oh, you know, I got busy with something else. I just didn't get yeah, to that. I had to vacuum yesterday yeah. or something. Yeah. No, and and you're right. That's easy, especially for the solo um, business owner. Mm-hmm. You know, if especially if you're not having to, you know, report to an office to see a client at a certain time mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. And you can use your home as your base or your studio as your base. Um, you know, it, you get a lot of flexibility. And you know, before you know it, you realize. You don't really know how you fit in your life whenever your corporate job took up 40 plus hours a week. Right. You think, where, where, you know what I mean? Where did all that time go? Uh-huh. But, but you're right. Keeping yourself on track is so, I mean, showing up and doing it every single day and working your plan, but then having to talk about it with somebody right. and every day having to rehash, you know, either you did meet your goals or you didn't. And, you know, the most successful people are doing that and doing it effectively. And the other people that aren't doing it, are the ones that are struggling. So right. I definitely highly recommend that kind of thing. Now, I wanted to give you, you have been fantastic at sharing and kind of opening up, uh, you know, and sharing uh, your failures and your successes and a little bit about you you and your story and your business. And so kind of as my way to return the favor, I always give my guests an opportunity to promote anything 
that is going on with their business that could be of help and be of, uh, you know, uh, something that our listeners could benefit from. So what do you have going on with your business right now that I could give you the opportunity to promote? Well, I've always got the Brassy Broadcast, which is my weekly podcast, and it's where dames from across the music industry dish about the business of music. Because we nice. we switch the focus, you know, that's normally so that spotlight's normally on the artist. So right. we shift that to focus on who's working behind the scenes and really making the magic happen. Mm-hmm. So nice. not to take anything away from the artist, but, right, right? You know, right. there's not stage anymore, there's the PR and there's the editing and the recording and all that other stuff. You know, who's making that happen? Team. Yeah. And what I've found is that even though it's the conversations are based around what's going on within the music industry. Mm-hmm. Most everything that's shared is really applicable across a variety of industries. Yeah. Okay. You know, people talk about, yeah, they talk about what's working for social media strategies. They talk about what their favorite tools are, what books they've read that have inspired them, and just kind of what's worked throughout the course of their career in, in either growing their own businesses or helping them climb that corporate ladder. Yeah, and and I tell you, you know, being a musician or even doing um, what you have started out doing and that sort of thing, I mean, that's the ultimate solopreneur right there is somebody who's out, you know, playing for their dinner and starting, you know, starting every day at zero (laughs) dollars. Scary as can be, but that's that's the ultimate right there. So you've got the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, um, before we let you go, I wanted you to go ahead and tell us where all we can find you on the web. So that because what I'll do is I'll I'll link up to your podcast and all the places we can find you on the web in the show notes so that our listeners can find it and get directly to where you are. Great. Well, they can go to BrassyBroad.com. Okay. Uh, That's where all of the uh, fun podcast stuff is they can okay. also check me out at 317 sounddesign.com okay. all right we'll link up to that and any social media i'm on twitter at brassy broad jen okay and at 317 sound design jen Perfect. Okay, we will link up to all of those and get people in touch with you and they can hear what you're doing and follow along in your journey as your business evolves. Because I, I have no doubt that, you know, where where we both are today is not where we will be a year from now. And, exactly. you know, thank goodness in some ways. Yeah. But, um, but it will evolve. Yes. Well, I, from the boat. I will be more tan <laughs> and I will be definitely still down in Key West. But uh, I could never do a, a winter like the rest of the country is doing right now. So I don't envy that at all. Uh-huh. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing um, your journey and the, the lessons you've learned because it's so valuable to for, to put up examples, even examples of other women that have said, you know what, I don't have to be stuck in a corporate uh, as a corporate cog that is never going to get exactly where I want to be in life and have the the courage to say, let's just go and do it on my own and I can make this happen. And you've done it and. You're continuing to do it, and I think that's a great example to share for other people that want to follow on. So thank you for coming on and sharing your journey with us and just being uh, delightful to talk to. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. I love the conversation, and I really appreciate you having me on to share. 
Localists, don't let your website be the holdup for your business. You can get started today by simply going to brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website. Once you go there and purchase your website through Bluehost, our service provider, you will be sent a special cheat sheet of plugins to go ahead and get uploaded on your website. That will help make your website a little more user-friendly and a little easier for people to find you. So simply go to brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website to get your website from Bluehost today. All right. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. I'm Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, reminding you that building your business happens step by step. Whether you're just starting or growing your business, use what you heard in this interview today to build a strong foundation for your business. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast in iTunes. And remember, when you have the choice, choose local. 